Good evening, good evening, <clears throat> good evening to you all. Um, we're coming to the end of First Thessalonians and I for one have enjoyed uh, uh, studying and uh, uh, preaching this text, you know, especially in the season that we have been in and the season that I've been in personally. Um, as I was this morning at uh, Lee Grave Baptist Church, I uh, uh, chose to preach from uh, a text that, I, that 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through to 10, which uh, I preached here eight months ago. It's still on YouTube. I still sound funny, but it's still there. And as I recall, it was just me and David in the room here, all these things weren't here as, as much as they are at the moment. And eight months ago, uh, you know, who knew all the things that would transpire between then and now? Um, I was encouraged to know that the Lord has kept us and continues to keep us. Uh, I'm looking at this church in Thessalonica, uh, it really is. I'm loath to say vision because no church ought to be the vision. Jesus Christ is the vision. Um, but as Paul commends this church, you know, I, I you know, didn't, I'll be honest, there were times when I looked and I praised God for what he's been doing here in Wood Green. You know, it's Jesus Christ that will judge the churches, not me. But I can look and say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we continue to do that work of faith. Thank you, Lord, that we continue to be steadfast in hope. Thank you, Lord, that we continue to labor in love. And it's all because of him and for no one else. But tonight we come to the conclusion of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonian church. And these words are really an exhortation and an encouragement to us. They ought to be. His conclusion is strong and beneficial to us. And once again, he offers a reminder of what they possess in Christ and their obligations to continue in him. You know, you find concluding words, and if anyone's written a letter and you're coming to the conclusion, you've said some important things and you've really got to the crux of the matter that you've wanted at hand, and the conclusion, you kind of round off. But we know that this is God's breathed word. This isn't, you know, uh, uh, just Charles jotting a letter to a friend. This is God speaking to us. Every single jot and tittle is of importance to us. So may we consider this conclusion and exhortation before us. So we're turning your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'll be reading from verse 12. Verse 12 through to the end. Our main focus will be from verse 16, but I will read from verse 12. We ask you, brothers, 
to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from everything and every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have his letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I just want to put a word of correction there in verse 22. I did say abstain from everything. I don't really mean abstain from everything. Abstain from every form of evil. I chose to read, including the parts on which we were in uh, just last week, and um, from verse 12 through to verse uh, uh, 18, as it all ties in to what Paul seeks to conclude in this exhortation. Paul leaves them and leaves us uh, uh, here with an exhortation regarding the church's continued service to the Lord. I mean, this deals much with attitudes and actions. How the church is meant to be to one another and ultimately to the Lord. First of all, in his closing exhortation, he talks about our praise, our praise. Rejoice evermore. As we sang, rejoice. Rejoice always. Rejoice evermore. I mean, it's a simple statement, but it does reveal a, a great challenge. As I spoke this morning, you know, I, I, I was weary. Um, as I, you know, me and, me and Ezzy drove this morning, I took him with me, and uh, he was wonderful. He was uh, very, very attentive, and he's a real encouragement in his growth. Um, but, you know, I, on the way, I had to tell him off in certain things, and I didn't, my mindset, I hadn't yet relaxed as I stepped into the church, but as soon as we sang, began to sing, and to be with God's people, the, the, the efficacy of their worship uh, rubbed off on me, even within the circumstances that we were in. We as a church, 
whatever our circumstances, we are exhorted to rejoice always. All the time our focus can be ourselves, but when we gather here, we are not the focus. God is the focus. So we can rejoice always if we're remembering everything that Paul has said. If he has taken us from serving idols to serving the living God, we can rejoice always. If the day of the Lord, which the Lord Jesus Christ promises is true, is going to happen, we can rejoice always. We have been redeemed from sin. We have been made partakers in the inheritance of God. We have that hope of eternal life. I know only too well that we face trials and we face burdens in life, but we have reason to rejoice. The difficulties that we face, you know, they're temporal. The hope we have in Jesus Christ is eternal. We are encouraged to rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. The exhortation is not just our praise, but our prayer. Just as we are to rejoice always, we are to pray without ceasing, to pray always, continuously, making our requests known to a God who doesn't sleep, who doesn't slumber, who is always there, who is always available, who knows everything about us. We can go to him without ceasing. You know, we know that from this pulpit, it hasn't, it's been emphasized enough the need for us to continually be watchful of our prayer lives. Sometimes it's, uh, as we gather on a, on a Thursday, especially from the Zoom, there's sometimes there's dead silence as we come to pray. These things must not be. We have opportunity to open our mouths and talk to the living God. Let's make use of it. Now we often reserve our prayer for, for church services, maybe for meal times, you know. But we're encouraged to pray always. Our praise, our prayer, and our petition Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I mean, surely the church in Thessalonica had every reason for thanksgiving. They had faced much adversity, but God had been good. God had blessed them. And Paul exhorts them as he exhorts us to give thanks for this is the will of God for us. We could handle that much better if we had been instructed to give thanks for good things, give thanks for pleasant things. But we are exhorted to give thanks in all circumstances for everything.
We need to realize that we enjoy everything that the Lord has given us. I know, I know it's a hard thing to be thankful in trials. To be thankful in the midst of trials. But we know that those things are to our benefit. If we serve, know that we serve a sovereign God who works all things to our benefit, in the midst of those trials, we can be reminded that God is God over those trials as well as he is God over our joys and triumphs. I mean, it's in our adversity that we learn much of who we are in Christ. And it's in that adversity that God uses those things to mold and to shape us more and more like Jesus Christ. Our prayer, um, our, 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 our praise, our prayer, our petition. But in all these things, we have our persuasion. What persuades us? Well, Paul, Paul rounds those things off in, in, in two uh, sentences there. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. A simple statement, but it reveals profound truth. We all know the benefit of working, uh, the, the, the work of the spirit in our lives. We are known about how the indwelling of the spirit causes us to will and to do. But he continues to guide us and cause us to seek Jesus Christ, not just in the word, but in life uh, as, as we see it. But Paul warns them of the danger of quenching the spirit. We are not to extinguish or hinder the spirit as he works in our lives. We have the indwelling of the spirit for our benefit. He is there to comfort and to guide us. He reveals sin and brings about conviction. When the Spirit is at work in our lives, we are to be aware of it and not to thwart it. I mean, it sounds confusing to say, oh, how do, how do, you, how do you thwart God? As we are not obedient, as we are not uh, paying attention to how the Spirit is at work in our hearts. We're not submitting. We're not obeying the power and the, 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 the authority of the Spirit. We must guard against grieving the Spirit. We must ensure that we keep our lives free from unconfessed sin. We must seek to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. It's a danger to disobey the leading of the Spirit. We know, as we search our hearts, we see the Spirit working. If we don't know, we have the Scriptures to tell us. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. The church was exhorted to treat the word of God with the utmost respect and to accept it with full assurance. 
We're not to despise the utterance of the word. Whether it's the public reading of scripture, or whether it's someone's preaching or expounding the word, the word despised carries a strong indication, literally meaning to consider it as nothing. People were not to consider the word of God of little value. We were there to embrace it, to accept its teaching. Trusting in God's word to work in our lives. Now, I've had it numerous times as I'm going through life and I'm, you know, very rigid and staunch in my view and quite clearly... (laughs) Jesus talking to me through his word. I'll go, oh no, not, uh, not, I'll, I'll leave that for now. We need a renewed passion for the word of God. We need to embrace it and allow it to speak to us and bring profitable change to our lives. continue but test all things hold fast to that which is good we're to persevere we were there to test or examine all things their lives were to be lived in the light of God's holiness and righteousness as, as a standard they were to embrace that which was good and abstain from evil and sexual immorality which was sinful he, Paul again urges them to remain steadfast and to be committed to those things. There is sound wisdom in the exhortation for our generation as well. For us to test all things, to hold fast to what is good. Abstain from everything that is evil from every form of evil. You know, I mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, I took Ezra with me this morning. Uh, Pastor Hezron wasn't there, uh, who's the pastor of the church in Lee Grave, uh, but his sons led the service, the oldest of whom played the guitar and led well. Uh, it caused me to think, just, just the other day, as you hear news of a, a 14-year-old who's stabbed in London. And I think of my own sons growing in London. And I think of them abstaining from evil and holding fast to that which is good. So it's vitally important that I take Ezzy with me and when, when Toby's old enough that he comes with me, that we hold fast that which is good. And that begins by me. I must set the example of holding fast to what is good and abstaining from that which is evil. The modern church needs to be reminded of that fundamental truth that we must guard our witness We must be careful about how we present ourselves. Abstaining from that which is evil is of vital importance. I had to, I was convicted myself 
earlier this week having a conversation with, with someone at, uh, in my workplace and the, the conversation went in a direction that ideally I would not have wanted it to go. But I allowed it to go so. I didn't want to upset the status quo. What does that say of, of me? I must continually be watching over myself. Many today have no concern whatsoever about how others view their lives. You know, we're in this church, these four walls, who cares what the outside world thinks? No, it's of vital importance. We must be above reproach. We must abstain from evil. If all the world outside is committing evil, God's not going to excuse us and say, well, they're doing it, so you might as well. It's, I don't mind if uh, Grace Baptist Church you know, succumbs in that area. No. We have an obligation to live uprightly. When, when, when sin comes into the, even within these walls, we must confront it. Speak against it by God's word and nothing else. That's how Paul is exhorting this church. As they began, as they began that, so much so that their, their reputation had spread forth throughout all of Macedonia, not just the people of faith, but everywhere. That's the continuing exhortation that Paul gives to this church today, um, at that time and to us today. Even with this closing exhortation, Paul gives a, a closing benediction as well. He blesses them. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here he offers a closing intercessory prayer for their sanctification, for their purity. He desired that they would remain pure, holy before God, being found without spot, without blemish when he comes again. He wanted them to maintain the relationship that they had with the Lord and continue to live that way, to magnify holiness. That ought to be our prayer. That each of us would be found blameless when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And we ought to seek a sanctified life. One that reveals the God we serve in a positive and influential manner. He intercedes for them. He affirms them. What a wonderful affirmation there that he gives them. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. it reminds them of the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I reminded the church there in uh, uh, Lee Grave how I'd been serving here in Wood Green what would be 11 years this June, 
you know? And if there were any uh, 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 song or soundtrack that we could sing throughout these 11 years, it's Great Is Thy Faithfulness. That's the song of Wood Green, if there is one. Great is thy faithfulness. He is faithful. He will surely do it. You can trust in him. He will pull through. He always does. He who called them from a life of sin and darkness onto his marvelous light. He who started a good work. He who is the author and finisher of our faith, faith will surely do it. Paul was simply reminding them of the source of their strength. Too often as we grow weak and we wane, we tend to look to the mirror. We look at the mirror. And yeah, <laughs> no doubt we're going to be uh, demoralized by what we see. I've, uh, I've started to, you know, the gym's opened a week or so ago, and I said, three times a week, I'm going to be there. You know, I had a plan ready. I had my meal plan set. I think I've been once. And then the other day, I said, you know what? Let me go to the mirror, take a little picture of myself, and you know, say, this is how I began on such and such a day. Now I'm going to look forward to this eight weeks, ten weeks, and start again. And looking at the mirror, you know, I realized how much excess has been my enemy. Now I think to myself, how am, I going to, am I going to keep it? Am I going to fail again? Yeah, I probably will. <laughs> You know, I probably will. Uh, I saw a TikTok video earlier today when the guy was saying, you know, I shouldn't really, you know, we know the Lord is coming and I know the Lord is going to give us new bodies. Why would I waste my time going to the gym? I was like, oh, oh you know, he's got a point there. <laughs> but if I look to myself and think of how often I failed, how often I've said I'm going to do something and I've not followed through over and over again. No doubt I'm going to be deterred. But throughout this entire letter, I hope you've caught the gist of Paul telling these people to look forward, to look forward, to look with hope. Jesus will surely do it. In order for us to seek a, to lead a sanctified life, we can't focus on what we see in the mirror. Our vision, our gaze must be up. He, as we sang, who finished the work and is seated at the right hand of the Father, it's him that we should look to. He is faithful. He will surely do it. Paul himself ends with a supplication. He says, brothers, pray for us. 
You see the humility of the man. A profound reminder to the church that he desires that they pray for him. He's well aware of the need and the power of prayer. He is earnestly calling for the church to pray for him. And I can assure you that if the Apostle Paul desired and needed prayers from the church, we do as well. We need to continually lift one another up. We are living in a very difficult day. I had a conversation with a brother just the other day and he was recounting different things that the church were doing to encourage uh, young brothers and sisters who are facing difficulties. How they would gather and have prayer partners and I was so encouraged to hear it. I thought, you know what, that's something that I really need to be active and be proactive in implementing. Brothers who call one another and they would interchange on a weekly basis. So in twos, they would spend time calling and praying for one another. A week later, they would change up. We need to pray for one another. We need to make it a daily priority to pray for the church. I might encourage you this evening. Take a piece of paper. Write the names of every single person in this church and pray for them. Pray for them. We all need it. It's only Jesus Christ that's going to carry us through. We need to call him each and every single day. If you're struggling to pray, that's a place where we can start to pray for one another. Ask me, I've got loads of things that I need you to pray for me for. Pray for me, please. And of course, as Paul seeks to conclude, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I thought about this a couple months ago as I thought of, you know, the, the, the COVID restrictions, as I met those who were doing the fist bump or, or the elbow bump, sorry, or, you know, we, we weren't shaking hands, you know, greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, how, how are we to take that? Is it that, are we being unbiblical in, 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 if we're not greeting one another with a holy kiss? No, this is an encouragement for us to be unified for us to be united. In certain churches across the world, this might be the way people greet one another. In other churches, they, they, you, know, you might greet one another with a handshake. It doesn't matter. The call is for unity. As we gather to uh, share the elements of the table, the whole essence of that is unity. We share with one another. As a church, as we greet one another with the, the beauty, the intimacy, the love of a holy kiss, we're reminded of Christ's love for us. We need to help those around us and strengthen them by being united to them. Not just our unity, as Paul Sources talks about our conformity. The church is charged to, 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 to put under oath before the Lord uh, to read this letter to all the brothers. 
He knew that the Holy Spirit has inspired the writings of this word. He knew the benefit that would be, that would be to the church for them to read it continually. Here we find the mandate for continual uh, expository preaching and teaching to read these things amongst the brothers and for, for, for those things to be explained. The truth of this word has never changed and it never will. We need to hear and heed the word of God. As we continually read these texts, we're going to come back to 1 Thessalonians again. And we're going to be reminded again. Because these truths don't change. Our conformity to them will ultimately lead to our victory. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. a way that Paul can, uh, repeatedly uh, uh, ends his letters and begins his letters. In, in chapter 1, he began by grace and peace to you, and he closes by the grace of the Lord be with you. Somewhere in the middle of that, Paul is communicating the grace of God. The grace be with you. The grace and peace be with you. That's our victory. That's our victory. That grace, that unmerited favor, it's only by grace that we enter. When Jesus comes again, and he will come again, it's not anything that we've done or said that will ultimately bring us to him. It's his finished work on the cross. And it's by that imputed, unmerited grace that he pours out to us that we will inherit the kingdom of God. How we need that grace. Because it's that grace that we realize that it's outpouring uh, from us that we will extend to others. You know, Paul writes here and uh, on Saturday, uh, my, my, my family and I, we, we, we read from Galatians chapter 2 as uh, Paul encountered Peter. Peter, who had been uh, uh, eaten with the Gentiles amongst them for he knew that the grace of God had been extended to the Gentiles and it says there that people of James they came and Peter shrunk back and Paul said that they were not he was not living in, uh, in, in step with the gospel but he communicated the truth by grace. The Bible says that Jesus 
came and communicated grace and truth. We have just read, we ought to put under oath before the Lord to have the letter read to all the brothers, a charge towards truth. But remember that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. Oh, how we need the abundant grace of God in our lives. We need him every moment that we live. We need the grace and the guidance of the Lord. I rejoice that I have it in him. And I pray to grow in grace. I pray that his people would grow in grace. I mean, as we conclude this, this, this wonderful study, I wonder how our lives compare to those in Thessalonica. And we're all mortals, we're all people, just as they were. But I've been greatly ch um, um, challenged by their testimony. You know, uh, I think we'd all agree that we could be closer to the Lord. We could be walking that much closer. Our intimacy could be that much deeper. And that will never stop. But I pray that it's only by grace that we scrutinize ourselves. That we remember that he who is faithful, he will surely do it. It's him that's going to bring us into glory. We've looked at different things about the model of a, of a, of a, of a healthy church. And I've been reminded this is Christ's church. He who began a good work is faithful to see it to completion. May the fellowship here strive to be more, a bit more like the Thessalonican church, the others may say of Wood Green that, you know, talk of your, 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 your grace, talk of your, 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 your love, talk of your faith, talk of your hope has spread out across these lands to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know, I thank you, God, for... <clears throat> Just this time spent in, in this letter. Thank you, Father, that we're in this church. That we are this church. That we are your people. That though trials come and they will continue to come, We have a sure hope in Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that just as a fellowship, as a united brotherhood, that we would strive to encourage one another to walk in holiness, to walk in purity. Lord, you, you, you know us more intimately than we even know ourselves. Help us, Father. Uh, where we are lacking in our faith, give us faith. 
where we are lacking in our prayer, help us to pray. Where we are lacking in grace and, and, and brotherly love, help us, Father. Help us to abound in all those things. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, be at the forefront of our minds each and every second of our lives. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.